Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Damon Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And today, I wanted to talk about probably the biggest legal battle currently ongoing in the gaming industry. Uh, that would be Epic versus Apple, this court case that's been happening. And I, I there believe... There have been some really funny things to come out of this court case. Good you know, God. There's been some fascinating things to come out of this court case, too. It's like, industry secret-type documents and leaked emails and things that normally, like, people aren't privy to, but, like, everything's just being laid bare in this court case. Yeah, Tim Epic opened an email with y'all. Oh, really? I didn't you, see that one. One that's of awesome. us. <laughs> my, no, my, no, that that's that's the wild part to me like you see these emails between like these senior directors at like epic and sony and the way they email each other is just like i i couldn't believe that it was a real document when i was reading yeah, dude, it tim sweeney is very threatening to people in his emails yeah it's just He's like, like you, you guys know were, we have Fortnite, right yeah they were like yeah, cartoonishly, you know yeah it, it, like you wouldn't think it was real but like this was an official court document like this this yeah. was like evidence like I it's think real. I, I think my favorite part was when they opened the oh was it was a case phone line, but it was publicly oh, available. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> so there were a bunch of Fortnite kids that just hopped in on it. <laughs> what an um, no, my favorite was um Tim Sweeney is trying to argue that Fortnite yeah, let's, is, so let's, is yeah. not a game. That's a little weird, but like let's rewind just a little bit and cover what this is about, just for anyone who isn't familiar. So uh, last year, uh, Epic intentionally broke Apple's like terms of use by putting its own payment system into the iPhone version of Fortnite, right? So typically, games like Fortnite on iOS have to go through the App Store, and Apple, if you you know make a purchase on the App Store, Apple will take a thirty percent cut of that. And Epic will, you know, get the rest, obviously. But um, Epic didn't like the fact that Apple was taking 30% and decided to bypass, you know, the App Store. And Apple responded by completely removing uh, Fortnite from the iOS App Store, right? So uh, in response to that, Epic ended up suing Apple um, because they they were saying that Apple was being quote-unquote anti-competitive so that's the sort of gist of it and uh yeah i mean like i where do where do you guys stand on this because i feel like if you're going to be using i honestly feel like if you're going to be using apple's platform like you gotta you pay them some sort of fee right like Uh, it's the same the the problem is that the only way to get a game so Apple has already made money on the hardware for the iPhone. They've already made money on software for the iPhone. And now they're trying to make money for a storefront that is your only option if you own an iPhone. You have no other options to buy from. Yeah, and I'll see. So I'm I'll Team a, Epic in this case. Yeah, I'm Team Epic as well because I'll see a lot of like the big Apple fans, you know who they are, that are like, oh, Apple's not a closed platform. It's it can't be a closed platform, but Apple's totally a closed platform. Yeah, the how, only way how, there's no argument that Apple is not a closed platform. Really not. The only way you can get an app on an Apple phone is through the App Store. Android, you at least have three. Yeah, four Android, options. you can download an APK. Yeah. Yeah, you can sideload. Windows, you don't have to launch something through the Windows Store. 
You can launch it through Steam, Epic. So, so the, the interesting precedent for this is the Nintendo Switch is a closed platform. The PS4 is a closed platform. Right. The uh, the Xbox One is a closed platform, more or less, although certainly less, less so than so, the others. Less so yeah. than it used to be. So I'm super interested. I yes. would love for the end result of this, for there to be a precedent against closed platforms. Like, if the yeah. end result of this case is that I can put emulators on my PS4 without hacking it, yeah, so that's like, incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I honestly believe that's never going to happen. Like, I, I really think Epic has no chance in winning this case, to be perfectly frank. I agree. And, well, and yeah, I, I, I saw an interesting no point. Winning, but brought, I think um, you're really in the right. Yeah. I think Epic of it will keep fighting this fight. This is just one battle in the war that is against closed platforms. Like, even a defeat here, Epic has... See, Epic I, prints I, money. I think I agree with you, but I also I feel like just the way Epic is going about it is rubbing me the wrong way somehow. Like, I I also want to say Epic is a bad is a villain that coincidentally is trying to do the right thing here because they yeah. they have said in the past that like they, like Tim Sweeney goes on Twitter and he's trying to say like this is a war on closed platforms this is a war for creators but he said now under oath that had Apple given him an exclusive deal for Fortnite, he would have taken it. No, that and that leads very well into my next point. You know, like Sony has been cozying up with Epic, um, and Sony has like a similar fee system, you know, on PlayStation. And at one of Apple or sorry, the Apple re- representatives arguments was like, why aren't you kicking up a fuss against PlayStation when it's essentially the same practice? And, you know, like Sony or sorry, uh, the I think it was Tim Sweeney himself was asked this question and he sort of like waffled around, but he, he got to the point, I think, where he said uh, Apple was making more profit from selling developer apps in the App Store than the developer was. And that was his big stink against Apple. But uh, right? I, Apple takes a 30 percent cut, right? Like, yeah, that's standard. That's like saying, I mean, Steam doesn't make more money off my game than I do. Yeah, I don't really understand why he said that. <laughs> no, no, there is but an argument. That's what he made. said. I, okay, so I, I'm just going to take a hard stance right here and say that unless circumstances change significantly, I will never support uh, an Apple product again because in order to make... I mean, let's be real. Did you ever support an Apple product in the past? <laughs> yes. Uh, Perspectrum released on Mac. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I mean. Uh, it is no longer possible. I, I was able to use some, like... Uh, some shenanigans to get around to get around it but you you now have to buy into apple's development program you have to buy a macbook or a mac you know whatever imac whatever you want to use uh i don't like any of them but you have to own their hardware you have to own their software and you also have to pay developer fees if you want to make anything that will run on a mac or an iphone and speaking that there's no other device that's like that speaking of apple yeah they've really been making even for the computer line they've been making steps of basically making their own hardware so they make as much profit from each thing they sell as possible like their whole apple silicon that was that was motivated purely by profit that wasn't motivated by this ulterior motive of competing with intel they just wanted more money yeah, they wanted to lock you into an ecosystem which is what apple does best. and so yeah let's just zero in on that at the end of the of the day, that's what this is about, right? This, this whole lawsuit is happening because Apple or Epic wants that thirty percent that Apple's taking. Yes. Um, yes. That's that's what this boils down to. And what's interesting to me, regardless of where you so, uh, land on either side of this case, 
the most interesting thing to me has been like the absolute dearth of like completely private documents that have been made public through this case oh my god yeah a game-changing information for game developers too yeah did you see something the, um yeah there's a document Sorry. released that reveals the amount of money epic spent on uh epic exclusivity on a oh, bunch of yeah. different games yeah oh. let's go through that I, ha- I think i have that pulled up here so epic game store free games uh yeah they're buyout prices right oh the free games i was talking about exclusivity Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's But yeah, no, the, the free games the are extremely interesting, too, because you can look at that document, and you can see, like, the, you know, clearly, like, they didn't know what this was worth, necessarily. Because a lot of these developers, like, some of the bigger games sold out for way less, you know? Yeah, so, like, I'm looking at the top of this document, Subnautica was bought out uh, for $1.4 million. Oh wow, that's and, a lot. Yeah. And Super Meat Boy was bought out for fifty thousand. You know, look well, at that. Super Meat Boy was a ten-year-old game. That's true. Yeah. I, I imagine Super Meat Boy sales were like nearing zero. So that was just fifty thousand dollars. That's really that interesting. For Honor, which is like a pretty big budget Ubisoft game, was bought out for sixty-three thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. See, some of these like yeah. way smaller amounts than you would think. Like, so, so I, here's the thing, though. Like, typically. You know, like this information is private between, like, let's say, you know, yeah. Annapurna and Epic, for example. Now everyone gets to see what everyone else is making, and this yeah. is sure to kick up a stink. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to kick up a stink. You know, that's, I mean, that's business. They knew. Well, it's, you know, now negotiations will be much different going forward. Yeah, no, the, the free games are going to slow to a trickle, I'd say, <laughs> at this point. I, I don't think we're going to be, uh, now that those pub, uh, numbers are public, because. Did you did you see like the uh, how effective the new game program was though? Like it was actually fairly cheap for Epic, considering the number of users they got. They were spending something like a dollar fifty or two dollars and fifty cents or something per new user at the end of the day. Yeah, it's uh, you know Epic... now a lot of the only twenty percent of those or something went on to actually buy other games. But I mean, but even that, but that's, if, yeah, that's if, huge, if they can you know? raise that number a little bit and every one of them buys a $60 game, they've made their money back. Like, yeah, Epic, Epic's been putting a lot of money into being a Steam competitor. It's, it's ridiculous. Fortnite I'll, just I'll prints say, yeah. them money, but their, their strategy's working. Cause like, yeah. if I didn't already have Epic installed on my computer, that would have been a significant barrier between me and Hitman 3 on launch day. But, I do have Epic installed on my computer because of the free games. And so it was kind of like, you know, everybody's got their complaints against the Epic Game Store, but I don't care. I've already got it installed. I want to buy Hitman 3 right now. So the strategy works, at least, you know, on me personally. Yeah, and and just just to bring up a couple other things, like I think the biggest ex- exclusivity payout, like you were talking about, Connor, was Borderlands Three, right? Those numbers were exaggerated grossly by the uh, if you saw the same post I did. They, so what, what was the they guaranteed sales up to a certain amount, which they they didn't actually hand money over. They they handed over I think twenty thousand dollars in marketing, and then. Uh, guaranteed a certain number of sales, so uh, which which means that if uh, Borderlands Three had not yeah, met so, the sales so expectations, Epic would have Borderland, Borderlands Three minimum guarantee was eighty million, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and it reached that. 
Yeah, and so the total value of the Borderlands Three exclusivity deal was 115 million, which is just maybe it was 20 million in marketing. The numbers don't matter. These companies are yeah. huge. Yeah, well, like, it, it was 15 million marketing. Yeah, yeah we're looking. Yeah, at this yeah. I remember reading that the actual payout, like what Epic actually had to cough up, was only 20 million dollars for Borderlands Three exclusivity. It yeah, would have been I, more had the game sold poorly, but it did not. Yeah, it's Borderlands. It wasn't going to sell poorly. It it wasn't a good game. No, it was I, a terrible game. That's not. I would advise people to play it. I actually play it if you like Borderlands, but God, you're going to have a rough time. It's it's a bad game, bad story. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was crazy how low some of these numbers were, like for the uh for the exclusivity I mean, for the yeah. I mean, you get big uh you know big games like Borderlands three. You know, you're we're talking like nine figures for that. Whereas but you know I also like think, like. I don't know. You hand like I think the number of people that wouldn't buy a game just because it was on Epic Game Store is really small. So like Yeah, people don't care. I, I'm a big developer. If you guarantee me basically any number of sales, why wouldn't I take that? Like you know, that just that's flop insurance. Like you know? Yeah. I I don't think Epic would have to sweeten the deal too much. Plus the cut is better on Epic Game Store in general. So it's a better deal to begin with. I, you know, I personally, as a developer, would rather release a game on Epic Game Store than on Steam right now. The cut's just better. Yeah. It's it's a better deal all around. Yeah, I mean, Epic is gunning for Steam's spot. You know, and they, yeah. they it's kind of like a similar situation in some ways to Sony and Microsoft right now. Microsoft's hungry, and they're making all the aggressive moves to make up ground. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this isn't. We've we've done this talk before. This isn't what today's about. But Epic is making all the wrong moves, in my opinion. Uh, the the free games and stuff. Yeah, I'll absolutely take them, and I'm super happy they're doing them. But the things that would make me switch over to Epic are good mod support, a community page. You know, because the reason I like Steam so much is that it gives you that console that console experience on PC of like seeing what your friends are doing, being able yeah. to jump into a game with multiplayer seamlessly. And Epic really doesn't have that. The Epic client is still pretty terrible. Yeah. So, so Wait, just, does Epic have a shopping cart yet? I have no idea. That's I'm kind of weird if they don't. It, it's a terrible yeah. app. It's not very good. I've like, not. I don't think I've ever used. I mean, I've used like the launcher. Is that the same as the store? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Epic Games launcher. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It just has a library and a store. But just so. quickly circling back to Borderlands Three, like. Oh, it doesn't I, have a cart yet. Why doesn't it have a cart? Silly. You need but, a, if you have a store, have a cart. It's so much less painful. So if I'm looking at the chart of like their daily revenue uh, over time, right, and their new users over time, and for both of those things, there's a big spike when Borderlands Three launches. So I guess that exclusivity buyout uh, worked, you know? Yeah. So um. But yeah, no, I, I, there's another chart, another leaked document here. Not leaked, I should say. This is a court document. Yeah. But uh, looking at other... Another revealed uh, document. <laughs> yeah, upcoming games Epic is looking to snatch up for exclusivity. There's uh, possibly like Saints Row 5. And I, and like oh my Dead god, Island they're making 2. that? I, I mean, why oh, wouldn't they? they? Those games yeah. sell well enough, you know? I didn't think Saints Row 4 did that well. Saints Row 4 was classic, honestly. I oh, yeah, I loved it, but I didn't think it sold well. Anyway, I remember just quick tangent Saints Row three playing that all the time in high school. That was oh yeah, that, that's the best Saints Row game in my opinion. It was so silly, far and away the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Another document uh, sort of, uh, I guess, revealed, if that's the word we're going for, uh, in the first two years it was out, Fortnite made over $9 billion in revenue. As I said, it prints money. Bananas. That's like more than what... Uh, okay, so let's let's try to put this into a little bit of context here. That's more than what Microsoft paid for Bethesda. That's more than what Disney paid for Star Wars. Uh, that's yeah. Uh, it's almost weird that Epic hasn't done a major studio buyout like that. I I, they, I don't know. I feel really like they don't need to. They're, they're reinvesting just, all of it yeah, back into Fortnite and like, it, yeah. Then I I mean, they're Epic has so. Like I, I called Epic a villain doing the right thing right now, but Epic is in that position a lot of the time. Villains maybe not the right word. They're they're like they're a, a, they're a they're force like of nature. Because they like they also they have a, a really good indie fund, and they you know they really put a lot of money into uh, they're they're investing a ton of money into indies that use Unreal Engine and like yeah, and Tim Sweeney has been fighting against closed platforms for over a decade now. And they're giving, like, if you're an indie developer and you use Unreal Engine, you're in a really good position if you release on Epic Game Store, because you don't have to pay, all you pay is 12%, I think. You don't have yeah, to pay. Yeah, you pay the, uh, yeah. the store fee. Yeah, you don't have to pay anything to use Unreal. If you release your game on Epic Game Store, you pay nothing to use the Unreal Engine. It's super Which is a good engine. Dev. Yeah. yeah, the Unreal Engine's probably top-notch. Yeah, I, the only reason I don't use Unreal is because I find it more confusing than unity like i I just haven't learned it yeah like unreal is unreal right now is a gold standard in triple a yeah like a lot of games use it so it's kind of weird that epic is basically saying hey this engine's completely free they want people on the epic game store they want people to use their engine i think you have to be exclusive to the epic game store i don't know i don't know if you have to maybe it's time to exclusivity anyway yeah, yeah, I mean, this is not, yeah, I mean, go ahead. they didn't want Steam to have a monopoly on PC, so they started the Epic Game Store. I mean, that wasn't a monopoly fighting, that was an unwillingness to pay the 30%, but it still yeah. has created, it, it has destroyed, like, I think Epic has done a better job of destroying Steam's monopoly than EA ever did, for sure, or Ubisoft. This is all because of PUBG, not gonna lie. <laughs> is it? Uh, yeah, PUBG got big, and then Epic's like, hey, let's release Fortnite Battle Royale. That's true, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Epic now has has uh, evil genius levels of money. There's actually some controversy around that because uh, Epic helped. Like PUBG was in the Unreal Engine, and uh, Epic personally helped a little bit with its development. And uh, there was some controversy that Epic was stealing ideas from PUBG for Fortnite Battle Royale. Can Can you steal like a like a battle like a genre idea? I mean, no, definitely. No, and, 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 Fortnite and, and, and if PUBG, you are like, yeah, in, if in you say yes, it's Royale, done. Fortnite and PUBG are like opposite ends. Yeah, and, yeah. And, if and, you if you say like, oh, Fortnite's just a PUBG clone, then PUBG's and, just a Doom clone. Yeah, everything's like, just a clone of everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's just the way the industry evolves. That's yeah. I think the down. only reason there was a solid argument was that Epic had insider knowledge before uh, PUBG even released, which kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you have but this yeah. great new idea, and the people you trust to help you develop it also have your great new idea before anyone else has even seen it. And now PUBG doesn't even, like, isn't even relevant. That's not true. PUBG makes gangbusters in China on mobile. Yeah, it, it's PC, it's not relevant development here. isn't relevant. 
I, I looked at it on Steam, and it's sitting there with mixed reviews. That's fair. So, yeah. um... The, yeah. The, back to the lawsuit between Epic and Apple. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to bring up another thing now that we're talking numbers, right? I find the numbers so fascinating, man. Like, I really do. So, this executive summary was released detailing... Uh, Profit and revenue for basically all the big companies in 2019, which I believe is the year. Is that the year the suit was filed? Maybe I don't know. I can't remember. I don't but think anyway. it was 2020 because free Fortnite would have been way would have been memed to death in the year of sitting yeah. alone in your house. So okay, so I'm just gonna read these bullet points verbatim, and then we can discuss each one. Publishers capture the majority of total industry profit, 66%. Platforms and closed ecosystems slash networks, e.g. console, mobile, and browser, generated 39 to 46% of segment profits, while platforms and open ecosystems, i.e. PC client, generated only 5% of segment profit. So this, yeah, so this isn't too surprising to me. Obviously, we know console and mobile was, are, are huge right now in terms of, uh, you know, where the money is in the gaming industry. The, this next bullet point kind of upsets me, but it, you know, the facts are the facts. Free to play remains the industry's primary business model. Seventy percent of total revenue in gaming is free to play revenue. Uh, yeah. It is the larger largest driver of profit as well, seventy four percent of total, and has the healthiest profit margins, thirty two percent. So free to play isn't going anywhere. Uh, it's, it's. I think we knew that. Yeah, but it just. Uh, now that we have like actual hard numbers, like over seventy yeah, percent of the money nice. is in free to play. That's pretty insane. Considering, just pause for a minute and think how much money is in the gaming industry, right? Like gaming industry, at least in terms of money, is bigger than films and TV. It yeah. it is the biggest, you know, media form in terms of how much money is involved in the creation, marketing, you know. But free to play uh, games aren't games. what they used to be. Like, you know, we can sit here and doom and gloom about free-to-play games but like fortnite's free-to-play game and it's really fun like apex legends is free-to-play and it's really fun like yeah maybe I, yeah. they haven't monetized I, our our like super fun story-based games that you and i love to be free-to-play yet and right uh, you know but you know maybe this, they'll find this gives it. them high incentive too you know like uh, well, yeah. i i think like free-to-play games have improved massively from the days of i, I believe uh, pre-tf2 Free-to-play was uh, (laughs) probably the largest switch in the direction that free-to-play was going. Because before that, everything was just like pay-to-win or buy new items that make you better at game. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, it was the it was the Korean MMO model. Like, yeah. And now, now people have like rallied against that long enough that I haven't played a free-to-play game in a while that's had well. Outside of Korean MMOs that have had that pay to be better at the game model. Yeah, I mean, Rocket League went free to play yeah, I, that I, game. Rocket League is a an insane free to play get. Like, <laughs> you could you could buy a console today, and you've got Apex Legends, you've got Fortnite, you've got Rocket League. You're good. Like, you got a lot of games to play. You're gonna have a good time. So, like, very quickly jumping into that because it's a perfect segue. There is a little uh, bullet here about Rocket League revenue specifically. So, I uh, to hear this. Uh, we have numbers for 2019 and 2020. Uh, let's, I guess we'll go through each one. I 2019. Think both of those are after they got rid of loot boxes, I think. Yeah. 
2019, so this was before it was on the Epic Game Store. Uh, PS4, and this is in millions, 37.1 million. Steam, 27.7 million. Switch, 6.3 million. Xbox One, 31.6 million. And 2020, this this is ridiculous. Like, I, I'm struggling to come up with an explanation. Maybe you guys can help me. PS4, 63.3 million. 30, uh, Steam, 37.3 million. Switch, 10.5 million. Xbox One, 49.1 million. Is that Epic all Games free, free-to-play? 5 million. Or is the 2020 when it went free-to-play? I, I, I think it went free-to-play in 2020. In 2020, uh, yeah. Over the summer. And yeah, I mean, that was a huge influx of players. And like, yeah. when people get a free-to-play game, they don't mind paying for skins. So like, 2019, See, that, I imagine... That whole mentality were- like, blows my mind. I, I maybe I'm just weird. I think I am just weird because like I really very rarely buy like cosmetic items. And okay, so, so here's how I'm gonna lay out to you. I don't do this very often, but here's my rule: if I'm playing a game and it's free to play, and I'll typically I, I hate that I do this because I I think of games as art, but I do assign a monetary value to them. If I think that this is a twenty dollar game, like if I think that if I had paid twenty dollars for this game, I would still be happy. I will let myself spend that much in microtransactions in it. So Apex that's Legends a, feels a like a sixty dollar, huh? Yeah, yeah. I said that's Apex, a pretty decent system. Yeah, Apex plays like a sixty dollar game. So it like, does. If, I, if I had spent sixty dollars on Cosmetic, I'm not spent a dime on Apex, and I've played like over a hundred hours. I paid a good bit on Apex, but then again, I like cosmetics. If, yeah, if I did pay money in Apex, I would not feel bad about it because I have gotten so much enjoyment out of that game, and I think those developers deserve like like it's almost I think of it almost like tips. Except I get something out of it, you know. Yeah, I think I think the most money I've spent in a free to play game has probably been Dota. I've maybe Dota or League. I spent a lot of money towards those. Yeah, and I think those are both and, games that like earn your money. Worth it. Yeah. But, I, but I don't when I pay any of that, like with Rocket League, is unfortunately the game I've spent the most in tra- microtransactions in. Um, actually, that's not true. It's it's Mobby Nogi, but I'm not going to get into the my Korean MMO days. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, those no, are the dark days for literally everyone. But, um, yeah, Rocket League, I liked the loot crate system. I, I, it, it really got into my head. I would get all those crates. I really wanted the cool skins. I probably spent 20 or $30 total on, uh, um, cosmetics in that game. And had that game been free to play at the time, I wouldn't feel bad about that. But because I had already paid $20 for the game, I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Also, and I hate this more than anything. I bought that game twice. I bought it on Switch, and now it's free to play on all platforms. <laughs> I bought it on Steam, and I bought it on Switch, and I'm so mad about it. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. So, cumulatively, I spent like $70 on Rocket League, which, for the number of hours I have in it, not eh. that bad. Not, not that bad, but I still, you know, it, it would sting. The whole thing would sting a little less had that game been free to play from the get go. I think we got yeah. some cool stuff when it went free to play. The people who had actually bought it, so but it I, always feels bad. I guess here's my question: like we've seen through the numbers over and over again now that free to play makes more money than not free to play, right? So why do so many games, even to this day, launch as like fully priced releases and then go free to play? I guess in a bid to get more players. Wouldn't they presumably just get more players from the get-go if they were free-to-play free to from the beginning? I don't beginning? think so, because when you go free-to-play, you're basically giving yourself an entire second launch. Yeah. Because there's, there's a group of gamers who were never going to play your game when it costs yeah, money. Yeah, that's fair. Who are suddenly interested now that it's free-to-play. 
And then you, I, I, at that point, you already have your like hardcore audience who bought yeah, the game yeah. day one. Yeah. Yeah. You're and you're you're giving the game away for free to boost player counts so that those hardcore players stick around and keep spending money. Yeah, I think like I've done a lot of looking into uh, how games die, and a lot of the cases that just either they don't update large enough or their player numbers just dwindle usually because they don't update or yeah i mean i don't like happens. the idea of a game living forever you know i i mean my my friend the other day was telling me he, he picked up battlefield 5 uh he got a gaming pc and he played it on xbox and he stopped like two years ago and he had gotten a healthy amount of time out of this game he he got it an ea play so he didn't even pay money for it he got it for free through ea play and he opens it up, and he's like, "What? They only added four guns to this game over two years." I'm like, "Man, the game's dead." Like, yeah, because it was a disaster. Yeah, but also like, I don't think that's a, like if I picked up Battlefield Four right now, I would be expecting it to be the exact same game it was when I put it down four years ago. Like, yeah, that is just think, not the case I anymore. Twenty twenty one. They got spoiled. A lot of Battlefield fans did. I did when Battlefield Four released content well. Uh, up until the launch of Battlefield One, just constantly yeah. throwing out new content for free. But like after its first yeah, four like, DLCs, they're like, "Hey, here's a new map for free." I don't, I don't even, even like want these existing that a lot maps. of the time. Now they're dark. Like a game, but, I don't know. Sometimes you just want a sequel. Like I don't want you to waste development time on this game I've already played. I, but I think for Battlefield, a lot of people felt a lot of attachment to that era of four and Battlefield Four and Battlefield uh, Three. Yeah, four because they were both thing. solid games. Four is like a Four yeah. at the time, and it still is one of the best shooters on PC. Yeah, four feels I will, good. Feel, four just feels good. I will go back and play four in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I'll the, play. I'll that. play the Battlefield three maps in Battlefield four. I think three yeah. have better maps. If we're laying it all out right now, yeah, four had some good maps too. But like now, you have games like Anthem that died what in a year? If that, yeah. If I that, mean, like they, Anthem they died like, immediately, months. dude. And yeah, they didn't declare instantly. time of death for a year, but like uh, Marvel's Avengers is pretty much dead. Oh yeah, it was dead on See, the Bloodborne was oh not Bloodborne, uh, Battleborn. I was gonna say what? Yeah, Bloodborne's but, not dead. Battleborn died and yeah, Marvel's, Marvel's Avengers in particular is fascinating to me because like the Avengers property is like one of the biggest things in the world right now, and it just goes to show if the game isn't good, it doesn't like the IP alone can't carry something which is fascinating. Yeah, the game has to be pretty bad though right like yeah that game could have been mediocre and people would have still eaten it up but it, like, it was bad it was, it was bad. really bad like i've heard the story was good but then after the story it's just looter shooter grind which like they could have done a lazy cash in and done better than what they did i feel like they actually tried to do something pretty ambitious and it was just bad all around this all goes back to gearbox again Oh, Randy Pitchford bringing the looter shooters to the forefront, and then all of a sudden, everyone wants to be a looter shooter. Yeah. So, uh, there is are Destiny 2 free to play now. Yes. Yes. Okay. I know I got it for free several times before I went free to play. But I think it's like I think every expansion is like a. Well, it's like twenty bucks. Yeah. Right. Like twenty bucks fans purchase, yeah. which is each... yeah, I think that's totally fine personally. Yeah. Each season pass, and it also has like cosmetics and stuff. I thought Destiny 1 would be the destiny to last forever, but now they announced a sequel. That's because that's what Bungie told you it would be, and they lied. <laughs> they definitely well, lied. To be fair, Bungie just wanted to keep it Destiny. Activision was like, no, make sequels. Yeah. So 
Now they're stuck it's almost with as Destiny if Activision 2. is the worst company in gaming. <laughs> I think I yeah they are. I think the best thing to happen to Bungie was for them to say go away Activision and just go independent because yeah, you can I, even see it in Destiny 2. It's gotten apparently a lot better than when it launched. Just yeah. a qu- quick point on the whole Bungie Activision thing. It's it's actually quite rare that you know the uh. Bungie held the IP for that. So I was reading another sort of uh, industry leak that, you know, when Bungie was looking for a publisher when they separated from Microsoft, they were approached by several people, like including Microsoft again for for Destiny. So they were Mm -hmm. contemplating making Destiny a PlayStation exclusive or an Xbox exclusive. But the reason those talks fell apart is because both Sony and Microsoft wanted ownership of the IP. Activision allowed them to keep ownership of the of the IP, so that essentially gave Bungie like an out, right? So like when they wanted to be on their own, they got to keep Destiny. Yeah. So I guess yeah, it was a wise move in the long run, I suppose, going with Activision yeah. as, as opposed to some of the other options. But if yeah, Bungie I, had stayed with Activision, they'd be working on Call of Duty right now. <laughs> yeah. No, and now Bungie. Well, okay, so maybe not Bungie because. Because Destiny does make a lot of money. And Bungie so. has star power. Like, even at the time that Destiny was launched, everyone was rolling off the Halo high. And so Bungie was, like, a big name. And they still are. I want to make an argument for Toys for Bob. A lot of people really liked Spyro Reignited. Yeah, no, Toys for Bob, that's a shame. They, yeah, so, they went from this creative <laughs> studio to, to the... To co- firing Call all of- their artists and working on Call of Duty. So, yeah, really they went quick, to... Just to catch everyone up, we're kind of pivoting to the news now that, uh, you know, it, news came out that basically Activision is making all of their studios work on Call of Duty. Even the people who made the freaking Crash Bandicoot, like, remake and, like, the Spyro remake. They, no, so, Toys for Bob made Crash 4 and the Spyro remake. They did not make the Crash remake. Yeah. Oh, okay. they, yeah, yeah. It's a shame because it was a it was a good studio. Yeah, they were now one of the best studios in 3D platforming. They're incredible. Yeah. Now they're never going to see their children again. Look at look at what is it? Raven Software. Well, Raven yeah, Software has uh, been in the Call of Duty minds for. It's not time. even that. I mean, they fired everybody. Like all the artists got laid off. All the creative leads uh, left. They left the company because they didn't want to work on Call of Duty. So like Toys for Bob in in its in any way that matters does not exist anymore. Yeah. See, so, that's interesting. I didn't know that they got they left the company. I figured that. They were having Toys for Bob and all the other companies work on Call of Duty because this year's Call of Duty in particular is in bad shape and it's not going to be in a stable state for launch. But you telling me that everyone left means that this might be a more permanent reassignment, which kind of sucks. Yeah, I I know. Well, it's not. I mean, it maybe wasn't going to be originally, but there's no one left like, yeah. They, the, the art direction at Toys for Bob was incredible, and it's just gone. Activision decided yeah, to throw I it all away. Yeah, I love the look of the Spyro. Yeah, Spyro rig. looked great. Crash yeah. looked great. Crash looked incredible. Like, I think the costume design in Crash 4, it, it rivals Mario Odyssey's co- costume design. It's a shame. Like, it was it's, so good. It's a shame to see a studio as, like, up-and-coming as Toys for Bob just get reduced to being another COD support studio. Like Raven Software, Raven Software made sense because Raven Software had just released two really poorly selling games. Yeah, and had laid off most of their development team, so Activision just kind of threw them into the Call of Duty meat. I mean, I know a lot of casual gamers that uh, 
were so excited about the Spyro remakes and the Crash Crash Four, and like played those yeah, games I mean, to death. And then like, big, dude. I thought I thought she was gonna cry when I told her that that studio got dismantled. Yeah, it's got gutted. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I'm sure there's a lot. I, I, not to dunk on anybody who didn't leave Toys for Bob. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of talented engineers and stuff left, but. That alone is not a Spyro game or a Crash game. Like they oh, wait, had they, a game. Toys for Bob assisted with the uh, Nintendo Switch port of the Insane Trilogy. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Vicarious yeah. Visions who did it, who is now a Blizzard support studio. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It, and it sucks, especially because you know, like the 3D platformer doesn't really have a really a lot of strong champions aside from Nintendo, right? Like. No, it looks like that was changing. Yeah, For and and, and this is there. definitely a huge blow to that movement. Yeah, then we got. Yeah, it, I mean, I think the biggest blow, like I'm sad Toys for Bob is not going to be working on Crash and Spyro, but I'm far more sad that odds are no one is going to be working on Crash and Spyro because Activision is going to put those IPs in the vault for another 20 years. Because that's what they do. <laughs> mm hmm. And it's upsetting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but like. Uh, they Call of Duty is is the king, right? It makes the most money. It's the honestly, most... yeah, yeah. Talk talk about how Call, Call of Duty is going to be the king this year when uh, they already are making a post release plan because you know they're releasing sad, a Connor? dumpster fire. It still will be. I'm telling it, you, right? It'll still sell. It doesn't matter oh, it'll how still bad gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's going to sell. There are going to be so many angry people day one who are going to be whining on Twitter about how bad the game is, and they will be in line to buy it again next year. It's well, if anything could sort of loosen Call of Duty's hold on the industry, it, you'd think it'd be this year, right? Like, I don't think Call of Duty has ever launched in like horrible shape before, right? Like, no, and that's, no, it's typically that's a fairly well polished game. That that's what they're making this out to be. Like, they've already got like a recovery roadmap in place before they've even re- revealed the game. <laughs> like, that's yeah. So so they're expecting this to be pretty bad. So. If ever there was a time for a shift in the industry, maybe this year. Plus, there's a new Battlefield coming this year that might be a return to form after the disaster that was fine. Yeah, I don't know. Like, everyone always says, like, this will be the year Battlefield kills Call of Duty, but it never happens. So, I mean, I, I kind of hope it happens. Titanfall but, 3. Yeah. I, I don't think... Titanfall is never Fall. coming back. You'll see, I think I don't think You'll see I think Titans I, in Apex Legends. No. They have a plan for Titanfall 3, but I don't believe it's in development right now. I mean, it, I think, honestly, the fate that Activision gives to studios is way worse than the fate that EA does to studios. Yeah. Yeah, because like, EA at least I mean, lets, uh, They're e- both pretty e- bad. EA just puts them out of their misery. <laughs> Activision, yeah. EA like, will tortures keep, them. like, milking them dry and then close them down when they stop producing good games. Activision just takes the studios, sucks the lifeblood out of them, and then throws them into the, into the mines. Into the yeah, Call of Duty machine. EA yeah. doesn't let the IP die, though. At least they're, you know, they're still releasing Fable games. They're still releasing. Uh, Wait, EA isn't, EA isn't Fable, right? They're not Fable. No, that's uh, Fable. No. Microsoft. Microsoft. Ah, oh, well. EA, EA is still releasing Dragon Age. They, yeah, they're, they're still trying releasing to keep um, the Command and Conquer IP up, which is yeah, and they're releasing a Mass Effect okay. uh, collection at least. Oh, but I, I'm ready for that. I'm, I'm ready dude, I'm it. in on that day one. I'm so <laughs> excited for buying it now. And I'm I'm no. glad you guys are gonna enjoy it. <laughs> I'll pre-order it. 
Dude, no, I will too. I'm so I, I love I, Mass Effect. Yeah, I but, don't even care. It's a good game. It's three good games. Yeah. So, uh, really quick, there are a couple more bullet points on that executive summary I wanted to get to, just because I find them fascinating. Tencent is the largest company in the industry, generating an estimated 19.4 billion dollars in revenue and 6.3 billion dollars in profit. This is that's not surprising. That's in 2019. So Tencent owns like Riot Games and League of Legends, right? So that sort of helps explain this absurd figure, but it's still just stupid, right? And then they're just uh, they're like the only skin in the game in China. Yeah, Tencent owns. I think like a good thirty percent of the gaming industry right now. It's, it's just wild. Or has like, their hand in the pie of about thirty. Tencent could literally make a completely industry-changing move tomorrow if they felt like it. You know, like uh, I think Steam goes through Tencent in China too. Yeah, every everything in Tense, everything in China has to go through a Chinese company. So I think Tencent does it. Maybe yeah. I think Perfect World also does some things. So, uh, just really quickly. So, like I said, $6.38 billion in profit, right? And then it goes on to list nine other companies' profits in 2019. Uh, and it, it goes in descending order. So, surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, Apple is at the top at $5.2 billion. And this is for, I think, video game software and services. Sony uh, is next with $4.1 billion. Google is next with $3.2 billion. NetEase, I don't even know what that is, is next with 2.4 billion. Nintendo with 2.38 billion. Microsoft is after that. Their numbers is redacted because I think Microsoft really cares about their PR. And if they're not at the top, they don't want their numbers listed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Activision Blizzard, Blizzard, 1.6 billion. EA, 1.2 billion. And Epic, 1.08 billion. So I know this is two years old now. So I guess that's sort of ancient history without quickly. Okay, moves, I figured out what it's still a nice is. snapshot. It's still a nice snapshot into like where these companies were at in 2019. NetEase is uh, one of the largest internet and video game companies in China and uh, okay. in the world. Yeah. They also own several pig farms. Apparently, they they but, host Blizzard Entertainment servers or in games as well. I think I'm looking at their list of licensing. So they 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 licensed Minecraft over in China. They have Eve. They have lord of the rings game so i'm just thinking here this can't be just video game profits because otherwise this would make no sense like how is google ahead of nintendo and microsoft right so this has to be like general software profits yeah, google think. google makes sense to be ahead of yeah, them they google get a cut play. of everything that happens on google play yeah oh wow i totally forgot about google play you're absolutely right yeah i totally yeah. forgot about that yeah yeah, obviously I, Google Stadia mind, doesn't make this In my head, list. I was just thinking Stadia. I was like, how do these Stadia numbers Stadia doesn't make anything. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't expect Stadia to be a successful platform <clears throat> at all, especially um, now. Well, yeah. didn't. Who, who left the company now? Like, they're... Everyone that matters. Yeah, everyone that matters, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to linger too long on these documents, but I just want to give a quick uh, shout-out to some other... Interesting things that were leaked. Walmart is making a cloud gaming service called Project Storm. Uh, oh, that's dead on arrival. <laughs> so that's not gonna last. That's happening. Well, actually, that might last because Walmart is not like Google. They typically keep their stuff around. Like, doesn't Walmart still have like a cell phone network and stuff? Like, do they? They I do stuff. Know. It's typically budget, but they do it, and like it works and it sticks around. But I don't think it's gonna rock the world. 
Yeah, it's just so I feel like unless you're like Apple or someone like that, it's or Amazon, I feel like it's so hard to break into the gaming industry unless you have those kind of funds. Like Walmart has those kind of funds. I mean, oh well, do they have like Apple level funds though? Like I don't. Yeah, think man, it's Walmart. Do. Yeah, I mean Walmart's huge, but not Apple huge. I think Walmart's Apple huge. Maybe I could be wrong. Uh, and I guess the final thing I wanted to shout out was just the weirdly threatening email that oh, yeah. uh, Epic sent to Sony. Did you guys see that? Yeah. It was like almost kind of like how a mob boss would talk. Like, I can't believe this was like a high level business interaction, you know? Yeah, but they're right. Like Fortnite owns PlayStation right now. Like, I mean, I Fortnite, guess Fortnite but, like, went off a of PlayStation. There would be riots. Like, like, let me just read some of this. We love working with PlayStation. We want this to be a win-win. The longer this drags out, it will be less so. I can't think of a scenario where Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibly went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on PlayStation. And then he goes on to provide, like, a numbered list of the things they propose, like, they want. And yeah. then follows that up with, let's make this a huge win for us all. Epic's not changing its mind on this issue, so let's just agree on it now. That's, <laughs> uh, I guess maybe that's just how business is done at that level. I have no idea, but, uh. I, I mean, I think when you have, when you're holding a handgun and the other person is empty-handed, yeah, that's how business goes. Because like, if if Epic took Fortnite off of PS4, and and they did their messaging right, like gamers would riot against Sony. That would be so bad for them. Yeah. So yeah, Epic held every card there. You know, I I'd probably talk like that too if I had all the power. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's just uh, it was just kind of surreal reading that, though. Like, yeah, I mean, let's not waste our time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just directing to the point. But, you know, like, yeah, the Epic versus Apple case is interesting in itself. But what's far more interesting was like all the side stuff that came out about it. So I just kind of wanted to share that with you all and talk. I, I want to point out that um, Tim Tim Sweeney was arguing with a judge about whether or not Fortnite was a video game. And his argument was that Fortnite was a virtual space because they hold concerts there. I mean, he has a point. He kind of has a point, but it's a no. He doesn't because you know what he said. He said that it wasn't a game unless it had a win condition. And if you're gonna open up that can of worms in a courtroom, you're a monster. If you're gonna try to have a judge decide whether or not walking simulators are a video game, the classic, the classic trap. Yeah, like, it's degenerate. I saw so many game developers dunking on Tim Sweeney on Twitter today. Yeah. It was so funny. That, that's definitely a stretch, to put it lightly. Yeah, and no, Fortnite Fortnite is a video game. You cannot, there's game. no argument that it is a virtual space and not a video game. It is both, right? Like, but yeah, yeah, at saying the end of the day, both. it's a yeah, video game. There's maybe something to say there, but. I'd yeah. argue that VR chat could be considered a virtual space, though. I mean, it's still a video VR chat's game. still a game, though, right? Yeah, like, it's still a video game. Like, you can't... I don't know. It reminds me of, like, when people don't want to call themselves a comic book, so they make it really long and call it a graphic novel, or, like, it's not a horror, it's a psychological thriller. Like, no, it's a horror, it's a comic, and, like, it, you just have to admit that those things can be more than that. Yeah. I got, I got a whole rant about that. Oh, dear. So, yeah, any any other final pieces to say on the Epic versus Apple mess? I think it's more accurate to call it a mess at this point. It's it's definitely a mess and I I don't know how this ends. Like does does Fortnite come back to 
I Apple or come back to iPhone at the end of this? I'm kind of curious. So I think either at the end of the day, it has to come back, right? Like even if Apple's taking 30% of it, that's still so much money that Epic's walking away from if they don't put it back on there, right? I will lose so much respect for him. Like, you know, they're making, they're making for, for lack of better terms, they're making some serious big dick plays right now. And if they, if they come back with the tail between their legs <laughs> and put go back on the Apple's or uh, at back on the app store with a 30% cut, I will, you know, I'll be bullying Tim Sweeney on Twitter myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but at the end of the Have day, all, like, all, the, yeah, I mean, at, in the face of money, like, dignity doesn't matter to like, companies like these, right? Like, it, 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 you know, you just make the most financially sound move, and if you lose the case, then you still want to get your money, right? I don't know. That's yeah. just what I think. I, but, I, I think you're right, but I really hope not. I think it would be way cooler. If uh, they lose the case and uh, yeah, just we're stubborn leave it about off. it, yeah, yeah, leave it off. Then again, we're we're three people that know nothing about business. Oh yeah, like yeah, but you know what? Me, I do know just, something about sending just, a message. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we are three uh, video game enthusiasts talking about the legal implications of this court case. So just <laughs> take everything we say with a grain of salt. Yeah, I don't even know. Well, no, my uncle's a lawyer, but he doesn't talk about it much. So this this would be like a former Game Talk alum, a, a former Game Talk alum Jordan's kind of issue. And even he would be disgustingly underqualified to talk about. Yeah. It. <laughs> All right. So any other closing thoughts on that? No, I think that was my only one. No, I, okay. I don't have much. I already said my piece. All right. So I want to jump into what we've been playing and I want to go first this time. So, okay. uh. Just a quick preface. If I sound kind of off this episode, that's because I stayed up till 5 a.m. playing Returnal, which is uh, the newest PlayStation 5 exclusive. It is a roguelite developed by Housemark. And so Housemark, if you all don't know, is uh, famous for their arcadey twin-stick shooter games. And I think they were the best in the business at that. Like, I remember, like, Next Machina and Resogun. Like, those games, the gameplay was sublime in those games. Like really conducive to like you can really get into like a flow state and like be dodging perfectly and shooting perfectly and you know i guess similar to doom in a sense and that like you can enter like a flow state and it feels like nothing can touch you same thing exists in returnal uh it is a roguelite i i think it's a roguelite i always get these two mixed up Maybe it is almost certainly a roguelite yeah uh is there anything that you keep in between runs uh, just basically, well, yes, there's like story like, items, but not uh, yeah. like health it's resets a and then. your weapon, weapons reset and everything. Yeah, like can, like uh, the, the typical t- things that differentiate a roguelike and a roguelite are anything that is different between runs. So okay, like, so then if guess, you can yes. unlock new things to find, then it's a roguelite. If, you know, if anything changes about so, the okay. game. Yeah, so runs. I think under that definition is a roguelite, but if we're looking at this on a spectrum, I would still say it's like closer to roguelike than something like Hades from my experience. That's um, that's likely because Hades is extremely far from the roguelike. Right. It, yeah. it, Hades is maybe the farthest away from roguelike. Okay. So yeah, just for some context, my experience with the genre is pretty limited. I've, I've dabbled here and there, but the two games I've really sunk my teeth into are Hades and Returnal. So yeah, just talking about Returnal for a bit, uh, this is Housemark's newest uh, game on PlayStation 5, and uh, it involves a 
astronaut named Selene crash landing on this mysterious planet called Atropos. And uh, you progress through the planet. It's like constantly shifting. You progress through like six different biomes, which are like the big like worlds, like the overall levels of the game. And when you die, you restart at your spaceship. Right. And so they're like and that's the basic structure of any roguelite. Right. You you die, you restart the run and things are random from there. And so there are story based reasons why this is happening. Right. Like explaining why the gameplay loop is happening. So as you play through the game, you learn more about Atropos, the planet and like why this is happening to Selene and like those sort of things, which was interesting. Sure. But like, that's not the reason I played this game. This game I played for the gameplay. Uh, so in essence, like it is a third person shooter bullet hell type game. And I think uh, Housemark did a really good job of translating their really kinetic and frenzied uh, bullet hell uh, twin stick shooter gameplay to this genre. Uh, it like very much feels like a Housemark game, even though like it's a completely different style of playing. And um, and much you know much like I mentioned earlier, like when you when you really get into this game, you can feel like yourself enter into like a flow state. You're like you're dodging bullets left and right, finding the smallest gap to squeeze in between, and just just freaking owning everything around you. It's awesome. And uh, another thing I really like about this game is like it's really dark and depressing aesthetic, right? So like you're on a, an oppressive alien planet like a hostile alien planet right and like that is conveyed perfectly through both the visuals and especially the sound i think the sound might be the most impressive uh one of the most impressive things about this game because like it fully utilizes like the 3d audio capability of the ps5 like tempest engine it's one of the first games so far to really do that so like when you put your headphones on like it just you're just completely immersed right like you hear all these little like weird alien sounds all around you and it's very unsettling and i really like that and another thing that uh bears mentioning is the dual sense implementation of this game i think this is the best dual sense implementation since astro's playroom and i think it's really exciting having a dual sense implementation like this because i think it's setting the tone of what ps5 exclusives will be this generation right so I think, you know, PS4 to PS3, the main jump from the consoles was graphical, right? And obviously we get some graphical imp- improvement from PS4 to PS5, but more and more I'm starting to believe, especially after experiencing it, that true next-gen features of the PlayStation 5 will be the immersive qualities through the DualSense and the 3D audio. Uh, the gameplay combined with the 3D audio combined with the DualSense really created a super immersive experience. And that made it even more addicting to play. Um, so just for an example, right? Like in one of the biomes, it's constantly raining, and you can feel each individual raindrop hit her spacesuit through your dual sense controller. Things like that, right? Like that's really cool. They have um, basically every little interaction. Uh, they have like some response from the dual sense, and like the resolution of like what can be conveyed through touch on that controller is really, really fine, right? Like very subtle things can be conveyed through the dual sense. And this game does a really good job of showing that off. 
And uh, so, yeah, just getting into my time with the game, I started, so I beat the game uh, this morning at like 5 a.m. And it was my ninth run through the game. So what's interesting is, like I said, there's six biomes, six levels. Consistently, I was getting to biome three and then just getting absolutely murked there. Like, it was so hard. Like, the jump in difficulty in level three was insane. And then I guess, like, last night around, like, 9 p.m., I just started getting, like, the run, right? Like, I got all the things I needed to have a successful run. I was playing really well as well. Um, and I finally beat level three and then I beat level four and then five and then six. And the whole run ended up taking like, I think like eight hours, which is ridiculous. But, uh, and and you cannot save and quit in that entire eight hours. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can't save and quit. So, so there's a couple things, right? You can, if you stick the console in rest mode, it'll just pick up where it left off. Right. But, but there is a mechanic in the game where if you spend like one of your rare resources, it sort of like preserves your body there. So like if you die or the game shuts off, you start there rather than at the very beginning. So it's kind of like a weird roundabout save system, but I do agree that yes, they should definitely put in some sort of saving. Right. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine like even, even when I was like super in Anoita, I never sat down and played eight consecutive hours of it i don't think yeah i just uh yeah like so, i always played other games or went into <clears> something <throat> else for a bit like that's all that's a huge ask yeah it, it is a huge ask and especially i can't imagine like if i was on like hour seven on the last biome and i died and had to go all the way back to the beginning that would have devastated me and i'm that's sure that's happened to a lot of more people. dual senses what's that that's the <laughs> yeah. plan to sell more dual sense controllers yeah but but no, I'm I'm quite surprised I ran through it all in one run. I think it was a combination of luck and just me getting good at the game. You get momentum, like yeah. I I definitely that happened to me on Gungeon a few times where I would like I was having trouble getting past the second floor and then suddenly you know get past the second, get past the third, get past the fourth, die on the fifth, yeah. something like that. You know, you just get a good run going. Yeah, no, that's what happened. And I think one thing I want to highlight in this game the the boss fights are wild man like especially i think the highlight for me has to be the boss of like the uh the level three boss it's just something like out of your nightmares and it's so much fun like yeah well, I, I look forward to this game coming to pc in two yeah. two or three years yeah two three years yeah i think i i would i would say two years let's there is like this element of psychological kind of horror there is yes i was um there like are these finding dead bodies that is that a spoiler if I say that you're they're yourself? No, that happens in the first like two minutes of the game, so okay. that's fine. Yeah, you're just finding yourself dead in various places. No, it, it's a it's a scary game. It's like a it's a scary roguelite third person shooter, which is a very unique sort of genre. And I really like the tone they the tone they nailed in this game is very you know, like alien, obviously, because you're on an alien planet. Alien horror slash like existential dread combined I, I with like the hor- horror and roguelite is a mix that isn't done enough because roguelites are inherently scary because you, you don't know, right? It's you got a lot to lose, like that too. Yeah, 
<laughs> but like especially in Returnal, right? Like you don't know what's in that next room. Like it could be like some a boon, right? Like it could be some sort of power up. It could be something amazing, or you could just get like absolutely destroyed by like those like twelve suicide bombing like robot things that absolutely mess you up. God, those things suck. But yeah, like this this game is incredible. Um, I yeah, like I I, I said. I think a few weeks ago that It Takes Two was my current game of the year. This is my current game of the year, and it's really not even close. Uh, uh, Returnal, and this is maybe just telling me that I should play more roguelite slash roguelike games. You gotta try Noita. Because both Hades and this game really impress me. So, but for different reasons, right? Like, I would argue that the thing I liked more in Hades than this game was like the interactions between different power-ups. I thought that was really cool in Hades. Both Um, of these games are super story based though, huh? And, uh, uh, that is not typical in a roguelite. Yeah. There, I would say yes. Right. I I think the story is more important in Hades than Returnal, honestly. Really? Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because uh, the story in Returnal is way more mysterious and open. It's way more like uh, I control, right? Like it's very nebulous and up for you to like decide what's really happening. At least from what I've seen, right? I'll get you a roguelite list to check out. Yeah, no, yeah, like because this might just be like you, a you really already good own genre Gungeon. You should check that out. I do own Gungeon. Yeah. 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 No, I. Actually, Gungeon might be a good comparison to this game, right? Because like Gungeon is it's like a bullet, bullet hell in a lot of ways, right? yeah. Yeah, so this it might be a, an interesting analog to this game. So, yeah, maybe once I I, I do plan on platinuming Returnal, so yeah, once once I do. do that, I might check out Gungeon. But um, yeah, yeah, man, I I'm very I'm very proud and happy that Housemark launch this game and i hope it does well for them because i i do feel bad for them because they make such quality games but it seems like no one really buys them right like next machina uh really under underperformed so much that housemark came out and said yeah well, like we're not going to work on twin stick shooters anymore because they don't sell even though they're i think they're masters of that genre yeah so they sort of retooled their skill set and uh made returnal and i hope it really works out for them because like it's it's a very good game so uh, uh that's what hey, I i'll go next i'm gonna start with my factorio update because obviously i've still been playing that a bunch um we currently uh we haven't made any progress since last week essentially uh because we are at this awkward stage where it is equally difficult to set up a mining outpost on another planet or to try to expand our base on our current planet. And we kind of need to, like, untangle our uh, our resources. We're trying to switch to a, a train-fed pr- uh, sort of paradigm where, like, we have trains unloading everything you need to make a product on site. You make that product, and then it goes back on a train, and that train can go anywhere that that product is needed. And uh, kind of untangling our current functioning base that that is like entirely conveyor belt and robot driven to try to create this train driven one is challenging it, it has been a ton of work trying Dude, to i feel those. like sometimes when you talk about factorio it sounds like you're talking about a second job yeah it, it feels <laughs> like it sometimes my, my friend uh who i've been playing with has actually said that he needs to take a uh, some time off <laughs> <laughs> because so it was funny. all he was thinking about and uh <laughs> 
that's relatable. But I, I don't want to talk. So we did set up. I set up. I think I talked last time. I was saying I was going to set up a planetary outpost. I did do that. I set up on a planet called Gradsheim, and it was super interesting because I, I loaded my rocket. Loading my rocket took forever, and I was just doing chores around the base while that was happening. And I see that the rocket's full, and I'm like super tense. And I ride it there, and I have no way home. And I immediately realize I forgot something. <laughs> and uh, the something I forgot was uh, the parts that I needed to make fuel for the trip home. Rip. Yup. So I, I kind of had to like set up an entire, extremely scaled down, of course, but I had to set up a decent amount of a base on that planet. When when my original goal was just like set up miners, set up a fuel refinery, and uh, just kind of like send rockets there, fill them up with fuel on site, and then send rockets back full of resources we wanted. And that's where we're at now. But I had to kind of do a lot of work in the meantime. I was stuck on that planet for a couple hours building stuff up. Fortunately, See, it had an atmosphere, so I didn't need a life support or anything. I'm assuming you're you're very much against... I, I don't even know if you can do this, but can you, like, save scum in, in Factorio? Uh, yeah, we can, but I, I would never do that. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I could have just launched another rocket that had the thing I forgot. But uh, rockets are expensive, and they can hold so much stuff that it would have felt really wrong to launch a rocket that had a couple fuel refineries on it. So I didn't do that. It was, and this was way more fun anyway. And uh, it was really rewarding to do it. And I'm glad I did. And I've set up some stuff. We're, we're actually looking at moving our entire factory to another planet. Cause uh, the planet we started on has enemies on it. And there are planets out there that have no uh, hostile wildlife on them. And you can just go there and set up and you're fine. You never have to worry about it again. But it's a substantial move. So we're still kind of trying to decide if we want to try to get our weapons into better shape so that we can expand on our current planet or if we want to pack up and move. We've been going back and forth on it. But what I really want to talk about today, uh-huh. uh, I've kind of lied the past uh, couple of weeks when I say that Factorio is the only game I've been playing because I started playing Ring Fit Adventure pretty seriously. Oh, uh, yes. Probably two months ago now, maybe a month and a half. Something like that. Anyway, I uh, I think I'm ready to talk about this game. I wanted to finish it first, but I don't know how long this game is. And, it's long, uh, man. It, there's a lot to do. And yeah, even have you been you playing it, it too? No, <laughs> but I but even after you beat it, there's like tons of bonus levels and stuff as well. Yeah, it's a long game, and I I'm really glad it is because like I am in. So when I when I started playing Ring Fit, I obviously we'd been in we'd been under quarantine for a long time not quite a year i think when i started and uh i work a sedentary job i'm a software engineer so i'm sitting all day yeah and then i got up and i sat somewhere else the rest of the day to play video games and so my my friend who is just just about to finish his phd in pharmacy told me i was going to die of a blood clot if i didn't get up and start moving so i decided Ring Fit was the best solution for me because I've always been kind of intimidated uh, to go to any gym and start from zero. And uh, so I was in bad shape then. And I would go as far as to say I, I don't look a whole lot different. I was never like really fat or anything, but I am in good shape now. Like I can run a couple miles and it's not a huge deal. Like I, I don't know. I just don't feel tired yeah. all the time. Like I just feel better all the time. So that that's like the benefits Ring Fit can bring you. Uh, playing it like forty minutes to an hour a day, if that, I, I really don't. Plus, know how long it's I play in it. you know like we it bears mentioning 
Ring Fit Adventure Adventure is an actual video game. It's yeah, not it's, like it actually yeah. I, I want to talk about the game design a bit because it it actually I, I was watching somebody play Metopia the other day and it clearly is really similar to Metopia. <laughs> really? Yeah, but like it, it, it's an RPG. Like you have yep. moves that do damage. There's a really stupid but like somewhat engaging story going on. Like you're actually running. You know, I, and and I think the the most interesting thing about it is that instead of having mana points, it uses your own physical stamina. So like the moves that do a ton of damage are typically exercises that are hard to do. So, you know, if you're in good shape, you can do yeah. a ton of damage all the time. And I uh I don't like using items in RPGs. I like to stockpile all my items. So that puts me in a position where I have to work very hard to uh. To maintain that, you know, the the healing moves in particular are pretty strenuous a lot of the time. Uh, but I love it. I, uh, you know, there's like a, a rock, paper, scissors style. Uh, no, that's that's too generous. Enemies are color coded like a red enemy uh, using arm based attacks is going to do more damage. A yellow one. You want to exercise your core purple ones. You want to do legs and uh, green ones, I think, are yoga. Yeah, man, I really should get back into ring fit, dude. I've really neglected yeah, it's, fitness I, over the past year or so yeah i really i you know so so what it was was i saw that the vaccine was coming up and i was like man i really shouldn't come out of this like in the state that i'm in <laughs> i should i should feel better and i do like you know, i i have never in my life been able to like run a mile and not be dog tired and like have to lay down afterwards and like i was just curious after a session of ring fit the other day and i looked down and it said that i had run two miles and i like hadn't even noticed like I was that's tired. awesome. I yeah. just finished working out, but like, yeah. And that's like, you know, when the game gets too easy, you turn up the difficulty. If it, yeah, alternatively, if it's getting too hard for you, you can turn it down. It's it's really good. Now I yeah. do. I don't think that this is the end. Like Ring Fit is not going to be the end of my fitness journey. I don't think because, like I said at the beginning, I uh, I was always intimidated to start at zero and joining a gym. But I, I'm seriously considering like joining Planet Fitness or a local yeah, gym. Yeah, no, and, and especially like Planet Fitness. It's like not it shouldn't be too intimidating there, right? Like plenty of people go there for the first time. Right. I think my my problem with working out has always been uh I didn't know how much to do. Like I would always end up either not doing enough and like just wasting my time or doing way too much, hurting myself and not wanting to go back. And I think Ring Fit does a really good job of not doing that to you like it, it gives you a very achievable goal and then slowly ramps that up until you're in decent shape and can do yeah. whatever it is that you set out to do yeah and it's it, it's just an easy game to pick up and like play right after work like i'm sitting all day at work i get off and as soon as i get off work i typically pick up ring fit and play it i typically had just finished uh finished playing ring fit and taking a shower before i'd recorded the podcast the past like five episodes probably that's awesome man yeah, yeah ring, just, ring fit ring fit is a special game like yeah i'd recommend it to anybody that uh wants to get into better shape and because i honestly like i don't know like I, I talk about joining a gym maybe but the, the reason i started to work out was not like to lose weight or anything i just wanted to feel better and i do so like is yeah. there any reason for me to go any farther than ring fit i'm not sure yeah, i mean that's up to you like I, yeah, I i've heard people say that doing like I don't want to say an actual workout because obviously Ring Fit has gotten me into better shape, but do, doing a traditional workout is much faster. Ring Fit takes up more time. 
But you also don't have to leave your house. So there's a lot to consider yeah. there. I mean, back when I was pretty regular at the gym, like I usually like knocked out all my stuff within like 30 to 40 minutes and then left. Yeah. And ring fit so. takes me 40 minutes to an hour, I think. And only like 20 minutes of that. It actually tracks the time you spend actually working out. So like the time you spend in dialogue is not counted in that and stuff. Yeah. And it's usually like only 20 to 30 minutes spent actually working out in that time. So, yeah. so and, I, and that's that, not that's, the end of the world because you should rest anyway. But right now, things that I don't like about Ring Fit, some of the design is really weird. I uh, so I was talking about how I can run a lot farther now than I ever could in my life. There was an entire world in Ring Fit, like a, a collection of levels that took me about a week to get through because I only play a few a day, and boss fights are particularly strenuous. And this world was all boss fights, and on oh, a man. boss fight, there's no running. So, like, I go this entire, you know, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. I've been running a lot. I go an entire week without doing it. And I'm like, well, man, you know, this is, like, my sole <laughs> workout. I feel like you probably should have put some running in there. Like, <laughs> it just feels weird that that suddenly went away. Because it did feel bad to get back to running the next week when I got back to normal levels. So, stuff like that happens. It's weird. It is, all, it is also extremely demoralizing to lose a boss fight, which has happened to me a few times. Uh, sometimes it's my fault. I, like, got too cocky and didn't use a healing item. Uh, sometimes it's because the tracking went bad. There are a couple of times where, uh, squats in particular don't track very well for me. And, like, my butt was almost touching the floor, and it was saying that I wasn't squatting low enough. Yeah, I think squats worked for me just fine, but some of the other exercises, yeah, weren't tracking uh, tracking that well, especially, like, the yoga ones. You occasionally have to recalibrate it. Uh, in the middle of a workout and that is extremely frustrating to have to do squats in general just don't typically work real well for me and uh maybe i'm just bad at squatting but i know i know at least (laughs) once it's been the calibration because i got better at it and uh but yeah i i really hope that there's a ring fit too i I feel like there's a lot of things they could improve on and just sort of make it an even better i agree i mean just and uh i mean honestly it it would be like the definitive fitness game for sure a more open RPG style world. Like I don't mean literally an open world where you can like choose what direction you're running and stuff, but like a, a more fleshed out world would be really cool because a lot of the places yeah. look exactly the same and stuff. And but I I don't know. I really don't have a whole lot to ask from a, a Ring Fit too. I do have one tall ask from Nintendo at the end of this, and that is my most desired character in Super Smash Brothers oh. now is Drago, the villain from Ring Fit. The muscular dragon that you know, I mean, I, I honestly like I could see it. Like it's he's got not a move too set. He's he's extremely he's a villain, which is a huge plus for Smash Ultimate, apparently. Uh, That's I, probably I, gonna come in Smash Supreme. I honestly think that Drago could be in this DLC pack. I don't think that that's an impossibility. Yeah, I mean, like oh, we already I have one other fit. I, I wish that uh, the attacks had unique animations. Some of them, like like they all do, have a literal unique animation, as in like an animation plays on the screen telling right. you what exercise you're doing. But every single arm attack is just like a fiery punch hitting the enemy. Yeah, no, and like th- there's there's think... one exercise I I have in my uh, move set right now where you like lift your arms above you and you're like spinning them in a ring, and like the feedback between spinning in a ring and a punch happening, like they couldn't like do a little tornado or something. Right. I don't know. No, I, I definitely think things like this are things that like are perfect to improve in a sequel, right? Like, yeah. but like, I definitely think like for first game for like 
you know, a brand new concept, this really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, like, I mean, I honestly there's no like, fitness game like this. As far as like what it sets out to do versus what it does. I, I mean, this is the closest to a 10 out of 10 recommendation if this is the kind of thing you want that I've yeah. ever seen. Like, I'm not saying it's a perfect game. I'm saying that if this is something you want, I cannot recommend it any higher, I think. No, I, w- I would agree with that for sure. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I really, I just think it's very good. It's It's like, I've talked about a video game being life-changing before, and typically I'm talking about the story. But I think this is probably the most life-changing game I've ever yeah, played. Yeah, in a literal sense. Like, yeah, in a actually, literal sense, I actually, like, it has improved my life outside of the game substantially. Yeah, yeah. And very so. few times, like, like Wii Fit was a thing, like, yeah. Like, I don't really think you could actually get fit with Wii Fit. You can presumably get fit with Re- Ring Fit Adventure. Like, you will yeah, work I mean, all I, of your I, muscles. You will, yeah. you will do cardio. You will do all of those things with Ring Fit. Yeah, the only thing you're not going to do is, like, you're not going to lift weights because there's no weights. Like, the ring fit has – the ring has a, a certain amount of – Yeah, but, like, if you want to get toned yeah. or something, that's ring fit will definitely – Yeah, yeah, no, if you want to – do that. Yeah, it's like I, – I don't know a ton about working out, but I know it's, like, low weight, high reps to get toned, and it's, like, high weight, low reps to get uh to get big. Mm-hmm. And ring, ring fit can do toned. It cannot do big. Yeah. But I think that's fine. Like, I am very happy with it. Couldn't be happier. Nice. All uh, right. That's that. Now, yeah. speaking of fitness, uh, <clears throat> I've integrated something into my workout now that I'm beat saber exercising. Yeah, it's beat, beat saber. Yeah. It's 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 stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Especially what's, what's your since, favorite song to play? Uh, I don't have one yet. I'm trying to do all the hard songs on Expert Plus, though. My favorite so, is still uh, uh, Bl- Mr. Blue Sky. So I'm I'm going through like the hard bass songs, and my goal ah. now is to just get to the point where I can clear them all on the highest difficulty. I have never it's... played any of the bass songs. I don't think I played them like I played oh. one of them when I first got the game and immediately started modding it. I never played them. I, I like most of them. They're all cool. Yeah, the you hard like, songs yeah, are like. I, you're fortunate that that's kind of your genre, right? Like, yeah, that's not really the case for me. <laughs> like half of the half the big songs or the hard songs are all in one pack, and they're all like they're like Camilla's songs that are like 200 beats per minute and sh- yep, it's panicked flailing. And I've been playing them <laughs> on the highest difficulty level. And panic you've been playing flailing. Expert Plus, yeah. Wow, it, it hurts. Yeah, but I love Expert it. Plus is hard. I think I cleared one of them, but I had to turn it on no fail and uh, turn off the arrows because there was no way in the world I was clearing that with the arrows on. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, you'll get yeah, there. Man. I had a friend who was really into Beat Saber, and he downloaded a 2x speed mod because none of the hardest songs were hard enough for him. Jeez. Yeah, people go crazy on rhythm games. Dude, I, I gotta play Beat Saber. I still haven't played it. I've I think seen it's it. worth noting that that friend also runs marathons regularly. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's, so, it's definitely... It's a workout. ...building up my endurance, but I need to get set up my VR headset so it doesn't fog up when I start sweating. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't know. That's the one downside. That's, that's not up. really too avoidable, unfortunately, I don't think. Yeah. I've never had my VR headset fog up, I don't think, actually. The lens will just get, like... Yeah, I, I've had that happen. 
Maybe my, maybe get... there's just better airflow on mine because the the actual seal to my face is not very good on my headset. So. Oh, I make sure that thing is like suctioned on there, man. Yeah, you don't get that with a mixed reality headset. You just don't. Yeah. It's not possible. Well, the newer ones probably. I have a Gen One uh, Lenovo Explorer. Yeah, but Beat Saber is a lot of fun. It like, is. I thought I thought it would be like, oh, this looks easy, and then I get into it, and it's and you uh, almost Beats... start panicking. Beat Saber is a weirdly good like party game too. Like you pass the headset around. It's probably even better on the Quest than it is on a. Uh, oh, it's other than my. Mine. My computer actually lagging sometimes during the harder songs. Uh, that probably doesn't feel good. It'll it'll like it'll just micro stutter, and then I'll miss I'll miss like five notes. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, it's it, hard it, to recover because it's a rhythm game. Yeah, yeah. I make you a bit nauseous. It doesn't make me. I don't. The frame stutters don't make me nauseous. I'm pretty. I'm That's like a hundred percent resistant to motion sickness at this point. I'm pretty sure. Because I've played v- I played VR chat last night and my frame rate dropped a lot just because of the large amount of things. And I was in there for a good three, four hours and I felt fine. <laughs> I, I get a little unsteady because it'll throw off my balance, but that's about it. Yeah. And I adjusted really easily to VR, which I kind of yeah, expected. I, I wish I was like that. Unfortunately I'm a big baby when it comes to VR. Like I, I get motion sick and dizzy pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it really is. You have to play more. Yeah, you just have to keep playing it. Eventually, you'll adjust. You'll get your VR legs. Some people, it takes forever, and me, it took a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really it, is just different for everybody. It's, it's all up to the people. Some people just put the headset on, and then they can just go. Yeah, I, I have some friends like that other than you as well. and They're lucky, because I'm not like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was Same. I was dumb, and normally you're supposed to start with like low intensity experiences. I was starting with like high intensity stuff right off the bat, which I, mean, I guess worked out for about me. It. <laughs> thinking about like phasmophobia, phasmophobia is just weird, but it, I like that. I like most of the VR games I have now, except for a couple of garbage good. ones. But Beat Saber, it's a good game. Nice, great. Yeah, I, I Beat Saber and Tetris Effect are the are two of my most next play. Really? I hated yeah. Tetris Effect. I didn't play really? it in VR because it wasn't out on PC. Yeah, I found I, it really I hear hard. Tre- to... I hear Tetris Effect in VR is an experience. I found it very hard to parse. Like, really? Yeah, I was like looking at it and it like I didn't it didn't feel good on my eyes. Like, <laughs> I, I oh, had man. trouble. Okay, it just wasn't very readable. So, hmm. but I, I didn't play it in VR. I was playing it in 2D because it is right. not available in VR on PC yet. Ah, yes. So, I've also been playing Dyson Sphere Program a little bit more. And now yes. I think I'm obligated to talk about it. Finally. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's I like it because it feels a little less granular than Satis... Or, not Satisfact, Factorio. Factorio? I, I just hated Factorio because it was so granular and complex. And I don't think you hated Factorio. Didn't you play a lot of it? No. Really? I... I never made it past like the first tech level oh I wow a lot of it i i just it was just too granular and complex like i'd Dude. look i'd look forward on like the wiki and i just get like oh well there's your mistake you never look forward uh yeah i'd look forward to satisfactory it's like oh this seems simple that seems like a simple production line see when i when i look at vanilla factorio now like it looks so simple like i think i could do it with my eyes closed <laughs> compared to space exploration but yeah um 
Dyson Sphere program works pretty well because it's also not strictly 2D. You can build vertically. Right, and that's or, huge. Or at least kind of vertically. There's like a you can't build some buildings vertically, but science buildings you can stack. And as they go higher, they take more resources, but they output like double or triple depending on how high you stack them. You can stack um storage too, right? I was yeah, watching you can stack storage. Yeah, so that's huge. It's kind of nifty. That and I just I just like it. Yeah, it it's does look like much. a a unique take. Like it's not it's not a it's not a Factorio clone. It's not a satisfactory clone. It's its own it take does, on the genre. It does have some translation issues, but that's excusable, being that I believe the devs, are, the devs are also Chinese. So yeah, so you're gonna have some weird translations when it comes to a direct translation from Chinese. And I bet it's fine by the time it comes out 1.0. Oh, yeah. it's probably gonna be fine. It's mostly like small, like you do or do just weird. Weird conjugation issues. Yeah, conjugation yeah. issues. It's nothing major. Like, you can tell it's translated to English and it wasn't developed in English, but it doesn't take from the enjoyment at all. Which is fine. Yeah, Honestly... It's in my cart to buy right now. Yeah, it's it's on sale right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's 10% off, I think. Won't be by the time this episode airs, so sorry, guys. It will not be. But uh, the downside, I don't think it has multiplayer yet, which it might in the future. It does not have multiplayer on the roadmap, so there's kind of probably no be a mod. Honestly. I don't know. Modding multiplayer is very difficult to do, but, but yeah, at that point you should just get hired by the the company. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good. It, it felt more accessible than Factorio because you it can start automation yeah. way faster. Because Factorio, your automation setup takes maybe the first hour. Yeah, it does take an hour at least. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't take that long, but it, it is it's, at least an hour. It's like yeah. an hour. I had my automation and everything was starting to be produced, and I had my first beginnings of a mall set up in two hours. In uh, in Dyson? Yeah, in Dyson. Like, my okay. mall was set up, and my research was set up in two and a half hours. That's pretty good. For the first level of research. I still have to set it up for the second level of research, but I was hungry, and I had to eat. <laughs> have you? Are you still on the first planet, or have you... Uh, uh, I think on my non-stream save, I'm about to leave planet. But that's I still have to work some things through there. So I started a new save because everything was I, I'm the kind of person that just starts over if I get to the point where I have to rip everything down because I can't upscale it properly. Yeah. I like I like scaling to be super easy. And it never that's, is. That's what satisfactory it was super easy to scale up because you could just mass dismantle everything and it was painless to rebuild. Oh yeah. Well you you unlock that in Factorio as well. It's just Dyson, they're still working on the ability to like mass build. I think it's coming out this month where they're going to add blueprints or abilities to quick build. Because right now you have to place buildings individually. Yeah. But it has a lot of makes comps. The lack of blueprints makes it really hard for me to go back to Satisfactory from Factorio. So I the probably game, won't hop on Dyson Sphere program until it gets blueprints. The Dyson Sphere is... And also you can finish it right now. You can literally finish the game. Yeah. The game is 100% completable in early access, which is kind of weird for a factory game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you still can't finish uh, Satisfactory, can you? Yeah, like you it, Satisfactory can't reach the top tier, which I don't even know what it's going to be. The yeah. story items are there. They're just not usable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of weird for a game to be winnable in its early access. I'm not used to that. Yeah. Like, even Subnautica, you couldn't finish the game until 1.0 launched. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I literally waited for the 1.0 launch to launch my rocket. That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, I th- don't think you can play it below zero either right now. Maybe six. God, I, do I finish Subnautica or not? I'm still on the edge of that. Yeah, I, I think art style-wise, Dyson Sphere Program and uh, Satisfactory both remind me a lot of uh, Subnautica. Yeah, Dyson Sphere also looks pretty. It doesn't look as ugly as Factorio. Dyson Sphere, yeah, Factorio looks a lot better in motion. I used to rail on that game's graphics a lot, and I still, like, don't... It's not a pretty game, but the grit kind of, like... It's kind of like, playing play Factorio, the graphics are kind of, like, getting covered in mud when you're out playing soccer. Like, <laughs> you, you just kind of, like... It, you don't love it, but it's just kind of something that happens, and it's okay. Yeah, I, I think... Like my main my main bits with Dyson is it looks good. The factories look good when they're working 100% efficiency. I got a thing for tiny planets too. Like yeah. the the like little spore looking planets or or even uh, uh outer wilds. Like although it doesn't nail the tiny planet as well as outer wilds, but it the planets and the way they work around themselves makes it really easy to set up in a, a planet-wide factory. Yeah, it looks really cool when you... I, I saw some people who had pictures of an entire planet like being used to its maximum potential, and that just looks awesome. Like, they, they have an entire, like, line of solar panels going around the entire equator so that they always have solar power and stuff. And that's just really cool looking. Yeah. and Or alternatively, put them all at a pole so that they always have sunlight. Both are kind of viable options. And the game forces you to... Uh play around going to other planets yeah because your starter planet doesn't have all the resources you need right yeah it definitely feels like it'll probably have all the gratification of uh space exploration mod for factorio but without uh without us without having to get a master's in uh civil engineering <laughs> and take master's a second in job. industrial engineering yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like it, it feels good designing it's simple Running conveyor belts is a little jank, but that's excusable. It's an it, it just, access game. It looks like a more approachable factory builder. Like, I don't yeah. want to call it baby's first factory builder or anything, because I don't think it is that. But it's it's a better introduction to the genre. Because, like, I think Satisfactory even would have been really intimidating to me if I hadn't, like, powered my way through learning Tech It when I was a kid. And I think Tech It would really turn me off now if I was playing it for the first time. But Dyson Sphere Program looks like it actually teaches you everything yeah it it teaches you the mechanics very quickly and at no point even at the start do you actually have to mine for resources yeah that's that's really good at the start you have enough to research everything you need to start automation it's really annoying and uh i was watching a friend play through the beginning of satisfactory recently and that beginning kind of drags on yeah they have an option to skip that now though which they do yeah if you know what you're doing yeah uh, yeah, like yeah. Factorio doesn't have an option to skip it, but if you know what you're doing, you can get through it in, like, 20 minutes. Like, being able to skip a tutorial is always nice, and you can skip, yeah. like, the whole the whole sequence of landing and just land on the planet, dismantle your pod, and then fuel your robot. That's the only downside, is that the early game, before you get pylons up to manually stand under and recharge, mm. you have to, like, take down, take down trees... Or a process. Yeah, what is with later. what is with these games and making you do manual tasks like like gathering fuel in Satisfactory annoys annoys me to no end. And like, there's a bit of it in Factorio where you have to like gather wood to build electrical poles and stuff. I don't get why, why 
why do I ever have to chop down a tree? <laughs> like, See, I, the early game of Dyson, you're just gathering resources so you can build with your cores or if yeah. you're a robot. That's the whole reason you have that is to throw it in the robot's reactor so the mm. robot can move around. Yeah. But up until, like, you get access to the power poles that charge your robot very early. Like, it's just within the first first blue science that's cool. research tree so you're not going to be gathering fuel for your robot for long hmm. well so i'll be buying this game it's a good it's solid i i thought it wouldn't be but it's super solid all right i think that will do it for us this week thank you guys for listening uh, thanks to those of you that had an hour and 40 minutes to listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah we're getting hey. long ones now yeah, I mean, it is what it is. There, you know, I I think it's appreciated. We still get listenership, so you can follow us at, at Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, and click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep. See you guys next week. Yeah. See, see you next, you next week. week.